There's a call to urgency. But where I want to focus on this morning is from verse 18 onwards. Because scholars would say from verse 17 to verse 18, there's a break. Because during that gap, the people of God returned. They returned back to God. So from verse 18, it's a turning point. We notice that the language begins to change. We notice that the emphasis now is on what God would do, right? That God would begin to change the situation. The, the, there is now hope. We see hope. We see promises and we see restoration. So I title this message here, The God of Restoration. And as we look into the Word of God, I notice five steps in which God would restore us. And I want to go through those five steps with you this morning. I really believe that for some of us, you're in the process of restoration, that God is restoring you. And I really hope and pray that the Word of God this morning will be a source of encouragement to you. And maybe for some of you, you are crying out to God and you want God to restore your situation. And I pray that God will speak to you as we look closer into Joel chapter 2. And I want you to leave this morning knowing that God is in the business of restoring broken lives. That God is the God of restoration and He wants to restore your life and my life. So that's where we're going this morning. Five steps in how God restore a broken people. So let me pray and we'll dive into the text. Let's pray. God, will you help me now as I expound your word? I, I do pray, God, that um, as I preach, those uh, watching from afar, God, uh, they will hear your voice and they'll be encouraged to know that you are the God who loves to restore us and you are in the business of restoration. So would you help us? Would you speak to us through your word this morning? Would you help me? I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you're ready. Here's the very first step here is it starts with the heart of God. You see, God's restoration starts with His heart and not our heart. I'll show it to you. Look in verse 18. Then the Lord became jealous for His land and had pity on His people. You see, the jealousy of God here speaks of God's passionate love for His people. They say that um, when you are jealous, love is usually attached with jealousy. Let's just say one afternoon your child came home from school and said to you, Hey, mommy and daddy, I've got something to say. Um, I have to let you know that I love my classroom teacher more than you. How would you feel? You'll feel jealous, right? You, 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 you'll be hurt, you'll be broken, right? Because your love for your child means that you want your child to love you more than anyone else, right? And so what we see right here is that when God saw what took place in chapter 1, if you remember in chapter 1, the locusts came, right? And there was total destruction on God's land and the people of God were crying out. They were struggling. Well, when God saw that, it broke his heart. God saw what took place on the land and there's a jealousy because he wants to restore that. Well, let's go back to, to Joel chapter 1. I'll, I'll show you. You know, verse 10. The field are ruined. The ground is dried up. The grain is destroyed. The new wine is dried up. The olive oil fails. You see, when God saw that, it broke his heart. And God wanted to do something about it. And God was really uh, passionate about His people, about what took place on the land. And God was out there ready to change the situation. In fact, when we read the gospel, 
We see that in the heart of Jesus. When Jesus saw people who were struggling, there was passion towards them. The heart of God is that God loves us and God wants to restore you and me. In the gospel, in Matthew chapter 9, look what happened. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in the synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. Look at verse 36. When he saw the crowd, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. The heart of God is this, Sun Life Church, listen carefully, is that he has compassion for the lost. He loves us. The very first step of restoration starts with the heart of God. God is the one who is pursuing us. God is the one who is loving us first. And I'm so glad it started with God and not me. Because if it started with my heart, which is very, very sinful, I think I'll never, ever be restored. But praise God, restoration starts with the heart of God. God is passionate in pursuing you and me. You know, in the Old Testament, there is the book of, you know, Jonah, the prophet who ran away from God. This disobeying prophet decided to go the opposite direction. But as you read through the book of Jonah, what do you notice? God is passionate in pursuing this prophet. He's chasing after this prophet. He wants to restore this prophet. And as you read through that book, at the very, very end, the prophet decides to be obedient and do the will of God. And that's what I see in God today. The beautiful thing about the Christian faith is that God is the one pursuing us first, that God wants to restore us. It starts all with the heart of God. Do you know that? God loved us first before we would even love Him. And that's what John says in 1 John chapter 4. He says, we love because He, that's God, first loved us. That's the first thing we need to understand, Sun Life Church. If you feel right now that you need restoration, I want to encourage you that it actually starts now with the heart of God. God is not waiting for your heart to be good. No, it starts with His heart. Do you know that? Maybe, maybe right now there is a feeling inside your heart that you feel that, yeah, I really need to turn back to God. I nearly, really need to run back to God. Well, you know what? That feeling is real. And that feeling started with God, the heart of God. The God is out there pursuing you, that God loves you and God wants to restore you and God is starting the process of restoration. So that's the very first thing that we need to understand. Restoration starts, number one, with the heart of God. Number two, it moves to the work of God. That's the second thing we need to understand. We begin to have this internal uh, revelation of what God is doing behind the scenes. Well, I'll show to you in the text. Uh, go with me back to Joel chapter 2, verse 19 onwards. Uh, the Lord answered and said to his people, Behold, I'm sending you grain, wine, and oil, and you will be satisfied, and, you will no longer, and I will no longer make you a reproach among the nation. And I will remove the northerners far from you and drive him into the parched and desolate land, uh, his uh, vanguard into the eastern sea and his rear guard into the western sea. The stench and foul smell of him will rise, for he has done great things. Now, in this particular section here, we notice a reversal 
of what took place in chapter 1. Now remember in chapter 1, the people of God, they lost all their grains. There was no uh, olive oil. Things were pretty average. But here in chapter 2, God says that I will give you new grain. I will give you oil. I will give you wine. Remember in chapter 1, right, the locusts came and the locusts destroyed God's land. It was like an army of locusts came and wiped out the entire land. But right here, God says, I'm going to push them away. You notice uh, the northerners here, right, speaks of a group of of army or a force or it could be locusts coming from the north. For those people, they had this idea that their enemies were from the north. It could have been the Assyrians. We're not quite sure. But the Word of God says that He will remove them. He will push them away. So it's the reversal of what took place in chapter 1. In chapter 1, the army of locusts came to destroy the land. But in chapter 2, God would push them away. Remember in chapter 1, right? Uh, God uh, was the one who caused the destruction. It was a horrific, a a terrifying work of God. But right here in chapter 2, the work of God is a great work. Can you see the reversal? Chapter 1, it was bad work. And chapter 2, it was good work. And what we see here, right, is God working behind the scenes, doing a good work, He's changing the tide. It's a reversal of what took place in chapter 1. And so the second step in our restoration is that we begin to understand the heart of God by realizing what God has done for us. That's the beautiful thing about the Christian faith. It's not do's, that you've got to do this and do that, but it's done, what God has already done for us. You know, When we look at the gospel, we realize that God has done everything for us so that we will be in relationship with the Father. That's why it's called the good news. The gospel is what God has done for you and for me. And when we begin to realize what God has done for us, that's the process of restoration. The beautiful work of God. You know, when I was um, growing up, In my younger years, my Sunday school teacher would teach me this analogy of Jesus as being a bridge. And and I'll show it to you right here. You know, I, I was taught that on one side, that's me, full of sin. And on the other side, that's God. And for those who've been a Christian for some time, you would know this analogy very, very well. And there's a problem. And the problem is that, you know, I I can't get from this side to the other side because of this huge gap or chasm, right? And so as we read through the gospel, we realize what God did was that he sent Jesus. And I, I showed this to uh, my boys last night, and I wanted my boys to see my uh, wonderful PowerPoint skills, and, and one of my boys said, well, Dad, well, that's not really good because uh, wouldn't it be better if the cross didn't have the headpiece so that the person don't have to climb over the cross? And I kind of said, well, sons, it's, it's, it's an analogy. Okay, it's an analogy of what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. You see, restoration begins with the heart of God and then it moves to the work of God. That you and I begin to realize what God has done for us. There's a moment when the penny drops and there's this revelation inside our hearts that, wow, God did that for me. Like, I can't believe that God has done all the work for me 
so that I can get my life back in order. And that's what God does. And we see that in the text. The people of God realize the reversal from chapter 1 to chapter 2. And that's what God does for the Christian today. And when you begin to realize that and it becomes like a fresh revelation, there's this internal talk in your heart where you go, I cannot believe God would do that for me. I cannot believe that God sent His Son to die for me. I I cannot believe that ought to be me on the cross, but Jesus took my place on the cross. And you begin to realize what God is doing behind the scene. You know, I I know for some of us, you know, we, we, we came to Sun Life Church because someone invited you to come. And as you begin to realize uh, what God was doing behind the scene, you go, well, I cannot believe God would orchestrate that person to encourage me to come to church so that I could hear the gospel message so that my life could be completely transformed. You know why? Because that's God. The second step is the work of God. And you begin to realize what God is doing behind the scene in your process of restoration. That's step number two. So step number one, it starts with the heart of God. And step number two, it moves to the work of God. And step number three, we experience the joy of God. So as you begin to be restored, you begin to experience this amazing joy. And I'll show you that in the text. Joel chapter 2, verse 21 onwards. He says, Fear not, O land, be glad and rejoice, for the Lord has done great things. Fear not, you beasts of the field, for the pastures of the wilderness are green, and the tree bears its fruit. The fig tree and the the vine give their full yield. Verse 23, Be glad, O children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God, for he has done the has, for he has given the early rain for your vindication. He has poured down to for you the abundant rain and the early and the later rain as before. What do, you, what do you notice in the text? You notice that the people rejoice because of what God has done. God has began to bless them and they began to rejoice in God. You might also notice the triple emphasis on rain. Look, there was the early rain, you see that? The abundant rain and the later rain. Now, you remember what happened in chapter 1? If you remember in chapter 1, the, the, land, the land was dried up. There was fire that consumed everything on its path in chapter 1. Right here, there's a triple emphasis on rain. What does rain do to fire? Rain stops the spread of fire. But also in chapter 1, remember how the land was so dried up and there was no crops, no vegetation? What does rain do? Rain allows for what? New growth, right? As God began to restore the land, the people of God realized what God did and they began to what? Rejoice in the Lord. And that's what God does for you and I today. It starts with the heart of God, right? It moves to the work of God. We realize what God has done and then we find joy in who? In God. God shifts our joy to Him. You know, in the past, maybe we found joy in substances, or maybe we found our joy in relationships, or in money, or in status. But deep down, we know it's really meaningless. Is that right? We know that they are not the true source of real joy. But in the process of restoration, our joy shifts. Our joy, once based on our situation, now a joy found in our Savior. And that's what happens. I love it how the Apostle Peter, he puts it like this. In 1 Peter uh, chapter 1, he says this, Though you have not seen Him, 
The him here is Jesus. You love Jesus. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with what? An inexpressible and glorious joy. You see, when we are being restored by God, what happens is that we find joy in Jesus and not our situation. We begin to see God change our situation. God begins to change our, I guess, our identity. Uh, this, this, this old being is being restored. And, and through that whole process, we begin to realize what God is doing and we find joy in God. In fact, every now and then, God gives us a glimpse of the person that God is restoring us to be. And we look at our future self and we find joy in that. You know, uh, I don't know if you've ever restored furniture before um, or you're, you're, you're doing a renovation. Uh, you, you know that as you restore furniture, right, it's, it's a lot of hard work, amen? But as you begin to sand back some, some wood or you begin to paint or restore, uh, you, you realize that there's joy. You realize that what you're working on ultimately will have this amazing ending and that the ending, the end product will be far greater than the former product. And you find such joy in your restoration or in your renovation. You find joy. And that's what happens for the believers today. That as God begins to restore us, we find joy in Him. We know that it may be painful. We, we know that it may be a long period of time. But we trust that God is doing something new. And we know that God is restoring us and we begin to find joy in Him. And we know that where He's taking us is this amazing, future, glorious person where we know, wow, that's going to be wonderful. So we keep trusting God in the process of restoration. I want you to keep that in mind. That as God begins to restore you, you begin to find joy in Him. It starts with the heart of God. It moves to the work of God. And then thirdly, we find joy in God. No matter how tough it may be, no matter how long the process is, I guarantee you that you will find joy in Him. Let Him restore you. Let Him do the work in you and trust that the process will be a process of joy. And the very, very end, when you are completely restored, there'll be such joy. Amen. And that's the third step right there. Now the fourth step here, is the abundance of God. We begin to experience the abundance of God. I'll show it to you, Joel chapter 2, verse 25. I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten, the hopper, the destroyer, and the cutter, my great army which I sent among you. You shall eat in plenty and be satisfied, and praise the name of the Lord your God, who has dealt wondrously with you, and my people shall never again be put to shame. Verse 27. Sorry. So, so from there, what, what we notice there is, is God begins to say, well, I'm going to restore you. You're going to have plenty to eat. You won't be hungry ever again. And that's the abundance in food. We also notice God saying, you will never be put to shame. Never, ever again. You won't be a laughing stock. That's God's abundance of protection. But where I want to land is in verse 25. Go back with me to verse 25. He says, 
I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten. I, I really love this because as I, as I was studying this during the week, God really spoke to me in this particular verse here, verse 25. It's a beautiful promise that what you have lost, God will make it up for you. Can you imagine the people of God when they heard this prophesize over them? That God promised that He will restore all those lost years. Remember in chapter 1, they lost everything. We're not quite sure how many years. Some says it's three years, some says it's four years. But it was a long period of time where the people of God struggled. No crops, they were poor, things weren't going well. But what did God say? I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten. You see, the Hebrew word restore here is to pay back, to make up for what was lost. It's a promise for God's people and it's a promise for you and for me today. I want to say this to you, Sun Life Church, that as God begins to restore you, there, were, there might have been a season where you felt that, well, it was a wasted season. A season where I was so far from God, I was running away from God, and I did things that I wasn't proud of. They were wasted season, wasted years. But God says that, no, I will make up those years that were lost. You see, the human tendency is this, is that we disregard horrible years. We tend to say, let's not talk about it. Let's not think about it. They're just bad memories. Let's just wipe it out of our memory. No, no, God says, I know what you go through, and I will pay back. I will make up for those lost years. I want you to understand that. I know for some of us, maybe there was a season where you ran away from God. Maybe there was a season where you decided to do a Jonah, and you didn't go to church, you didn't serve, and you lived a period where you felt it was wasted, where you felt that, wow, I kind of wasted that season of my life. But I want you to know this, that as you return back to God and as God begins to restore you, those seasons were not wasted seasons. God knows what He's doing and God will pay back and God will restore you. I know for some of you, um, you may come to know the Lord in your later years and maybe in your former years before you met Christ, um, your marriage wasn't that good or you did things that you were not proud of and you kind of felt, well, what a wasted season. It's not wasted. God understands and God knows. And those seasons are not lost season. God will make up those seasons. And I know for some of us here, uh, you've lost family, you've lost friends because you've decided to follow Jesus. And I want you to know that you haven't lost anything. God will make up those losses for you because God promises in His Word that He will make up for any lost years. You know, Jesus once said this in Matthew 19. Jesus says that, And anyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. What a, what a wonderful encouragement for us. The promises of God that you will never lose anything if you allow God to change your situation. As God begins to restore you, as you begin to put your faith in God, God says, no, nothing is lost. Nothing is a waste. I will pay it back. I will make it up. Those lost years are never lost. In God's economy, He knows what He's doing. And I want to encourage you that wherever you are right now, 
as God begins to restore you, and if you felt that that past season was a wasted season, it's not a wasted season. God knows what He's doing, and He will pay back those wasted seasons. What a beautiful promise of God's abundance. So step one, we know it starts with the heart of God. Step two, it's the work of God. Step three, the joy of God. And step four, the abundance of God as He begins to bless us back for those wasted years. And the very final step is the outpouring of God's Spirit. The outpouring of the Spirit of God. You see, now in Joel uh, chapter 2, verse 28, look what happens here. This is the famous part of, of the, 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 the book. This is where most people would know uh, that Joel's um, book finds its climax right here. He says, And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. Even on the male and female servants, in those days I will pour out my spirit. And there's a little bit more, verse 30 to 32, but I won't have time to expound that last section. But I want to say this. When the people of God heard this prophecy, it was a shock. It was a shock for them. Because back then, God's spirit would only be given uh, in portion to God's leader for a specific task, right? So God would give his spirit to, say, Moses, in the book of Numbers, so that Moses would have the ability to lead God's people in the wilderness, and then God's Spirit would leave. Or in the book of 1 Kings, God would give His Spirit to King Saul, so that Saul can lead God's people as king, but then the Spirit would leave. But right here, what do we notice? Friends, what here? He says, I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Everyone. All ages, that's young and old. All genders, Male and female, even all ranks, the free and the servants. What a wonderful promise. God says, I will pour out my spirit to everyone. Now, if you've been a Christian for some time, uh, you would know that this is the quote that the Apostle Peter would quote on the day of Pentecost in the book of Acts chapter 2. You remember? The Holy Spirit came upon the uh, disciples and Peter, being filled with the Holy Spirit, stood before the thousand and he began to speak to them. And he quotes Joel chapter 2. Let's go there. Acts chapter 2. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, that's the eleven disciples, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel right now. Now Peter begins to quote Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. You know, what was prophesied in Joel became a reality in Acts chapter 2. If we read the book of Acts, what do we notice? The people of God received the Holy Spirit, right? Remember? Read through the book of Acts and every time someone gave their life to Jesus and they received the Holy Spirit, what happened? They began to prophesize. They had vision. They had dreams. 
They spoke in tongues. They did miraculous wonders. They were generous. They were spiritually alive. Is that right? Here's my point. When God restores us, it's all about spiritual restoration. You know, the people of God back in Joel, when God called them to repent, it wasn't so that God would restore their agricultural condition. That wasn't the end point. That wasn't the goal. God called them to repent because God wanted their hearts. God wanted to restore their spirit. God called them to repent because God wanted to give His Spirit to them. And if they didn't repent, His Spirit would not be given to them. The whole idea behind restoration is God wants to give us His Spirit. You know, that's the same for you and me today. When God restores us, listen carefully, Sun Life Church, uh, it's not about fixing our marriages. It's not about turning our financial situation around. It's not about sending rain so that the crops would grow. It's more than that. Ultimately, God wants to restore us spiritually. God wants to give us His Holy Spirit. He wants to live in us through His Holy Spirit. And when we begin to receive His Holy Spirit, that's when we're completely restored. You see, right now for some of you, you're praying to God and you say, God, God, will you restore me? You, will you restore my, my marriage? Will you restore my financial situation? Will you restore just my health? I mean, that's beautiful. And God will do that. And God is sovereign. He can do that when He wants to do that. But ultimately, God's restoration is all about restoring our hearts. God wants to give us a new heart. God wants to pour His Spirit into our hearts so that He lives in us, so that He gives us all that we need to keep living for Him. That's the goal right there. God's restoration ultimately is found in changing our hearts so the Holy Spirit will live in us every day and that we would live for Him every day. I want you to understand that. For some of you this morning, maybe um, you're so far from God. Or maybe you had that connection with God in your younger years when you went to Sunday school or you were part of a church. But in your later years, you have drifted away. You're so far from God. God wants to restore you. God wants you to know that He's pursuing you, that He loves you a lot. He's working behind the scenes, doing great works for you. He wants you to experience His joy. He wants you to know that He is going to bless you and He's going to make up all those lost years. But ultimately, He wants to pour out His Spirit into your heart. Spiritual restoration is what God wants to do. God wants to make you whole, not just physically, but also spiritually. That's the goal when it comes to restoration. I, I don't know where you are at this morning, Sun Life Church. I don't know whether right now you're saying, well, Pastor, Bin, can you pray for me? because I am so far from God. I want to return back to God. I want to pray for you later on. Or maybe right now you are in the middle of God's uh, restoration and you're finding it very, very tough and you're going, well, this is so long and I've been waiting and waiting when it's going to take place. Well, I want you to know to keep trusting God. I want you to know that God knows what He's doing and He will give you joy as you keep trusting Him. Keep trusting God. And God will make up any lost years. And for some of us, maybe this morning, um, you don't even know Jesus and you want Jesus into your life. 
I'm going to give you an opportunity to receive Jesus. And I really believe that Jesus can do a miracle in your world right now. So maybe if that is you this morning, you're saying, Pastor, I need Jesus. I need prayer. I want to pray for you. Or maybe you're someone where you're in the middle of being restored by God and you're saying, God, give me more patience to trust you. I want to pray for you. Or maybe you're someone where you just realize that, yep, you need to return back to God. You're you're a Christian, but you've been running away from God. God loves you. God is pursuing you and God wants you to return. And God wants to fill your heart with His Spirit over and over again. He wants you to live in the power of His Holy Spirit. If that is you, I want to pray for you. So let's, let's pray right now. Let's pray right now, okay? So if you are needing prayer right now, I'm going to pray for you. And afterwards, we've got a Zoom meeting. You can also hop onto that Zoom and get some prayer requests as well. But if you are needing prayer right now, uh, can you just do me a favor? Just maybe just, just open up your, your, your palms like this here as if you're receiving something. And let me pray for you right now, okay? So if that is you, if you need prayer, close your eyes. Open up your palms towards heaven and let me pray for you. Father God, I pray right now for your work in restoring us. Lord, um, there are some this morning who needs uh, your work in restoring them. So God, will you do that work right now? Will you just begin to work in their situation right now? Could you remind them that uh, you love them dearly and that you are pursuing them and that you care for them and you want to uh, restore them? Remind them of your wonderful work, that what you are doing behind the scene. May that become a reality in their hearts, God. Could I also pray, God, for just breakthrough, God. I pray for things to change, Lord. And for those who have been waiting for some time and, and, and they're about to give up, God, help them to keep trusting you. Uh, help them to know that you, you, you know what you're doing, God, and you are a God of restoration and, 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 and you're, you've got this, God. So help them to keep trusting you. Give them the, the, the patience and the endurance to keep holding upon your promises that you love them and you will get them to the very end. I also pray for those who may not know you yet, God. Holy Spirit, will you begin to enter into their situation right now? Would you begin to fill their hearts right now? Lord, would you draw them to you right now? thank you so much for your word this morning that you are the god of restoration oh, we love you so much in jesus name we pray amen remember those five steps on life church it starts with the heart of god it is the work of god the joy of god the abundance of god and the spirit of god i really pray that as you find time to just read over the word again this week god will speak to you as he begins to restore us all Anyhow, look, it is great to have you online with us this, this, this morning. I hope the Word of God has been a source of encouragement to you.